few years ago, Elisa and I were lucky enough to travel to India, and obviously one of the things we did when we went there was to visit the Taj Mahal. Uh, and it's an astonishing building. Uh, it took a little while to build, but it was completed in 1643, and it's considered by many as one of the seven wonders of the world. And uh, it's hard to sort of capture how amazing it is. Uh, I'll I mean, here's a picture just so you can, I can prove that I really was there. This is me at the Taj Mahal, sitting where Princess Diana sat. Uh, and uh, there's about that many people behind the camera lens as well. Uh, so um, it, it's truly a remarkable place. And uh, some of you may have been lucky enough to go there. And I remember the whole time we were there, uh, just thinking, am I really here? I is this really real? Like, this building is, it's, it's just remarkable. And, and you, you walk around and, and you're looking at all the inlaid uh, jewels into the marble and thinking about how long ago it was that it was made and how much it must have cost and uh, it's just a surreal thing but you're there and you can see it, you can smell it, you can touch it. I see it, I believe it's real, I believe it truly deserves its place as one of the most remarkable buildings in the world. Uh, we can get rid of my holiday snaps uh, now. Seeing really is believing, isn't it? And when it comes to God, that's an interesting thing to think about. Because if seeing is believing, how is it that we see God? How can we know that God is real? And what we see in today's reading is for that we need to look at Jesus who says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father in verse 9. But before we dive into that uh, and think about how that works for us today, uh, let's recap where we've been in the last uh, few weeks. Remember, as Andrew's taken us through chapter 13 of John's Gospel, uh, that uh, Jesus is uh, leaving them. He, he's announced that you know, he's not going to be with them uh, for much longer. Verse 33 of chapter 13, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. And, and not only that, but there's the, the promise of betrayal with Judas uh, in verse 21. After he had said this, Jesus, who was troubled in spirit, testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And if betrayal's not bad enough, there's the, 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 uh, the prophecy of denial as well on Peter's behalf in verse 38. Will you really lay down your life for me, Jesus answered. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, Peter, you will disown me three times. And all that's going on, don't forget, after Jesus has taken the position of a slave and washed their feet. It's a, it's a pretty full-on dinner party. Like, it's one they're going to remember for a little while. And it's very discombobulating, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult for the disciples to get their head around, what, what is it that's going on here? Jesus is revealing himself as the one who's come to serve, and he's telling us some bad stuff's going to happen, and he's going to leave us. And as one commentator reflects, it's not just this dinner party in chapter 13. There's a whole lot that's been going on up to this point to, to leave the disciples feeling a, a little bewildered and uh, upset and confused. Let me just quote to you 
The disciples were completely bewildered and discouraged. Jesus has not only said he was going away several times throughout the gospel and that he would die and that one of the 12 was a traitor and that Peter would disown him. He's also said that Satan was at work against all of them and that all the disciples would fall away. The cumulative weight of these revelations must have greatly depressed them. So it's no wonder then that at this point, as they face the reality of how things are about to go, that Jesus needs to speak some words of comfort and hope to his disciples. And that's what he does uh, as our chapter opens, John 14, verses 1 to 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. What wonderful words of comfort. What wonderful words of comfort, not only to the disciples in that room at that dinner party, but words of comfort to us today as well. And you'll know that uh, in many uh, funeral services, this is the reading up to verse 6 that is chosen. It's kind of weird, actually, to be sitting here on a Sunday morning for me, reflecting on these words, not in that context. I So often, uh, bringing these words of comfort to people at a time of grief and loss. And while they are beautiful and comforting words, I think there's actually some discomfort, too. This is the bit I don't usually say at a funeral service. I let it speak for itself. But today, I think it's worth noting that while Jesus gives these great words of comfort to those who believe in him that he has to go and that when he goes, he's going to make a home for us and it's going to be the best house we've ever lived in, the Father's mansion with many rooms, we'll be there with the Father, with Jesus. Uh, like, it'll be like this dinner party, only without all the bad stuff and a lot better. That's wonderful news. But, but... How do we get there? That's Thomas's question in verse 5, isn't it? How do I get there? Similar to Peter's question back earlier in uh, verse 36 of chapter 13. Well, like, where are you going? How do we follow you? What's going on? And Jesus answers. He says, these words of comfort are yours through me. Verse 6, I am the way and the truth. And the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. How do we know the way into this glorious hope, into these words of comfort when life is hard, when death is upon us, when our Messiah is leaving us? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. This is great news. This is still a word of comfort, no doubt. 
It's a word of comfort because it means salvation and eternity depend not on ourselves and our works, but on Jesus. The keys to the Father's house, if you will, aren't something we earn, but something given freely through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is also one of the most deeply controversial things that Jesus has ever said. And it's also one of the most deeply offensive things to our minds and our culture that Jesus has ever said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you believe in me, not that, no one comes to the Father except through me. The exclusive claim of Jesus. It's scandalous. It's wonderful because it means God is graciously gifting us in Jesus Christ's salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus and it's not up to us. Wonderful news for those who've got ears to hear and eyes to see. But the exclusivity of Jesus it causes people a lot of difficulty. You see, many people think, many people think that if they believe in God, it doesn't really matter how they believe in God. You may have heard the analogy uh, at some point of God being like an elephant. And all the different world religions are like the different parts of the elephant. So Christianity is like the, the trunk and... Uh, Islam is like the like one of the feet, and uh, Hinduism might be another feet, and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are the tail, uh, or um, you know, whatever it might be. Everyone's got their own kind of window onto God, and so you know when Christians look at God, they see this you know giant snout thing, and so they've got their own perspectives on things. And when you know Muslims look, they see toes and you know, sort of whatever you see when you're looking up the leg of an elephant. But all are kind of grasping at the elephant and, uh, you know, only the secular humanist has uh, got the clarity of mind to step back and see what's really going on, as if that's not as equally arrogant as Jesus saying he's the only way. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not, we're not all grasping at the same God. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is exclusive. Exclusively the way to God. Exclusively the, the way to the many rooms. Exclusively a way into the comfort of eternity when you're facing the troubles of this life. And not only that, but to see Jesus is to see God. If you really know me, he says, he continues in verse 7, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Who is God? What is he like? Jesus says me. He's like me. If you've seen me, You've seen God. To know me is to know God. And 
If you try and look at God without Jesus, well, you're not looking at God at all. Because to see God is to see Jesus, and to see Jesus is to see God. How do we know this? How do we know that Jesus is God and that if we know him, we have seen God through Jesus? Well, he goes on in verse uh, 10 and 11 to kind of outline how the disciples should know this through his character, his words and his miracles. Look at verse 10. His character first. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? That is, the way I have gone about my mission on this earth has been just like God would do it. I've been caring for the needy and the poor and the sick. I've been preaching against self-righteousness. I have the same character that God has. And I speak the words of the Father, he continues in verse 10. The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work time and time again, John has told us. Everyone marvels at the authority at which Jesus teaches because he teaches as one speaking the very words of God. And verse 11, his miracles, not just how he's lived his life amongst them, not just the authority with which he's spoken, but the work in which he has done, healing the sick, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, the signs that John has recounted to us throughout his gospel. We know that Jesus is God and the way to God and the one who shows us God because of the way he did his ministry on earth. Jesus tells the disciples that these things, his character, his word, his miracles, ought to be an assurance to them that Jesus is indeed God's revelation of himself to us. And it's the same for us today. Jesus, his character, his words, his miracles, they show us that he is God himself. C.S. Lewis, in A Grief Observed, says this, You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over, a per, uh, uh, over the edge. Wouldn't you, first, wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? It is, it's one thing to say you believe in something, it's another thing to act like it's true when it matters. And what I want to suggest to you today is that Jesus proves himself to be true in his character, his words, and in his miracles, not just when we read about them in the scriptures, but when we live as though it is true. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe that he is the way to the Father, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
When we rely on Jesus in the here and now, he proves himself to be the one who shows us God, who is God. Numerous occasions throughout my life where uh, things are hard or difficult and, and, and I have no other choice than to fall at the, at the feet of Jesus and beg for his mercy and, and beg for him to comfort me and to restore my soul. And he does. He comforts me. He encourages me because of who he is. He's, he's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. He ministers to me in, in my spirit. He encourages me with his word as I, as I open the Bible and, and I read from it. And sometimes he even miraculously provides. I think... The clearest, uh, the, I mean, I could, I could tell lots of stories, right? Because God is living and active and he, he, he is working powerfully through Jesus each and every day. Uh, but uh, a story I've told a few times probably goes back a few years now when uh, we were doing some big changes here uh, and p- people weren't very happy and the church was going broke and I was worried, and I remember where I was crying out to God uh, that um, why had he made me do all this only to make the church go bankrupt? Uh, and uh, at that time, I felt peace, and then the next day, basically, it was a few days later, there was, all of a sudden, the giving went up thousands and thousands of dollars. It was, to this day, I marvel at the miracle. Or just in recent times, as I felt extremely discouraged about the things that are happening in my daughter's state school, it's extremely discombobulating. I get frustrated, I get angry about it, and I think, why do I have to, why is it like this, and why has it come to this? But I go to God. And I meet Jesus in his word and he refreshes me and he restores my soul. I tell you, before Christmas, uh, I was in this building and I was deeply, deeply upset by, by what was happening. And I bawled my eyes out to God and he restored my soul. Because he is a good God. He is a living God. I can trust in him. He has got me. He has my family. He has never failed me yet. We can know God because we can know Jesus. And just as he is real for the disciples as they sat before him in that room, he is real for us today as we put our faith and trust in him his character, his words, and his miracles. So let me ask you, what do you make of Jesus? Because whatever you make of him is what you make of God. And let me encourage you, no matter where you're up to on this journey, 
to keep looking at Jesus and to take that step of faith, to jump off the edge and hold onto the rope. Because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and the rope won't snap. He's got you. He will keep you. You will find yourself in his home for eternity if you trust in him. Amen. <laughs>